Welcome to the Draw.Biz Podcast, your weekly dose of fantasy footy content. G'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Draft Doctors. Another, it's just another jam-packed episode, the tightest, the tightest fantasy football podcast going around, many are saying. Uh, this week we're bringing you our tips and tricks to win your Draft League episode. It's an annual uh, tradition, jam-packed with amazing tips that we use uh, to, to at least reach the finals of our, of our home leagues. Cam, mm. how's, th- how's things? Well, there's two things here. So it's the the Jack Watts pod, and it always should be the swimming and tips, swimming and tips. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then secondly, you know th- these tips. I-, I love that we're doing this in November. I don't know when we normally do this, but is it normally when people listen? No, it's usually in November when no one listens. Ah, well, yes, people do listen. We have more listeners than ever, but most of the people who are listening now are the, the absolute sicko diehards. So they know it. They, they know already it. know it. They I've know got, it. I've got a new tip, like a tip that is contextually relevant for next year that we do, haven't do this, talked about before. Do this pod later on? No. No. Just don't do no. it. Only the diehards get to know this tip. Oh, right. Mm, it's exclusive. Well, I can't wait to hear that. It's, it's a uh, shit tip. Ah. <laughs> it's not good. Yes. It's terrible. Perfect. Yes. Really fits fits the flavour. I was actually thinking, um, if someone put their hand up, uh, it sounds like they'd be a perfect candidate to come on the Draft Doctors, the person who scored an interview with uh, the singer uh, Adele uh, and hadn't listened to the, the record. And that, that uh, is, that, That's pro move. How did he like not... That That's our MO, right? So it, how else would we approach an interview with Adele? <laughs> <laughs> what a power move, though. Have you listened? Yeah. To it? No, I don't listen to that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she apparently stormed out. That's fucking is, great. Is where that got to, and I, I feel like you know if that's the reaction you got, then power probably, move. Yeah, <laughs> excellent effort. Yeah. Anyway, Matt, the the, the door's open. But uh, a bit of news. Bit of news this week. Uh, ben Cunnington. Going, going for the chemo. Not good. You hate to see it. Um, he's Western Victorian. He'll be fine. Benedict Greenwood. Has, oh uh, yeah, yeah. Fucking a Benedict. Uh, he's he's uh, gone to the north. Mm. The Suns. Do you reckon? My, do you re- yours, and our Gold Coast Suns. Look, he's dead to us. But there are going to be people who uh, are probably alerted to his uh, fantasy and contested. Possession prowess, but yeah, 30, 30 year old midfielder coming off a knee injury. Yeah, it's it's really funny because I, I get that it's it's really easy to dunk on the Suns in this situation because the optics are horrible. But I had a look through the list, and it was like, who else would you legitimately drop off the senior list that was probably a better candidate than Hugo? I couldn't find one. Rory Atkins. I don't think he'd agree to get cut. Yeah. I agree with you. I think Hugh Greenwood was a good bloke to agree to get cut. But at the same time, I kind of see it as a salary cap dumping instead of it being uh, anything else. I actually think they did this intentionally. Yeah, it it wouldn't shock me. The funny, I think North Melbourne's a terrible spot to land for him, though. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, Well, unless, you know, maybe those conversations came up because of what, a week between drinks for 
the Hugh Greenwood and the Ben Cunnington news. Well, well, between it being announced, yeah, maybe there's something there, right? Like maybe they knew that was coming. They felt they needed more depth and experience, and so they picked him up. Yeah, it's interesting. I just I looked at the dump, and it's like people were talking about him like he's a Brownlow medalist. He's an extreme, like he's very good at what he does, right? Mm. But he's incredibly limited in what he does. Yeah. And if the game's moving more uncontested, what's the one thing Hugh Greenwood doesn't do? Yeah, exactly. A- anything yeah, yeah. uncontested, it's it, it, like he's great at the contested stuff, but that's not what's trending. So, And also you look at North's midfield list and you're like, which of those aren't good at contested? Like exactly. they, they've already got the contested guys. That's yeah. right. Yeah, it seems a it seems a strange move to me. But anyway, good luck to Hugh Greenwood. Um Never, never knock a bloke for getting more money and more years and all that sort of thing. So, what do you end up with? What's the offer? This is three, three years. Oh, bang! Yeah, well, oh, you have fuck. to, you have to take that. He's going to be a thirty-three-year-old who can't yeah. win the outside ball. Oh, that's going to yeah. be good. Yeah, jeez, thirty-three-year-old contested ball winner. There's Joel Selwood, Gap. Trent it's like Cotchin. JPK and and yeah, J- yeah but they're all-time greats. We're talking about Hugh Green. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. They don't they don't survive, yeah. So uh we'll be interested to see how that plays out. Maybe a tip for well, yeah, look, you hate to see it from the Suns perspective, but um I think it was a good move. They they really won this exchange. Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Mm. I yeah, I, I still think it was planned. I think it's a great move. Yeah. It's um we'll go like what's that, the character in Moneyball? I think this opens up some amazing possibilities. You might retain a player. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy times. Anyway, we're moving on to tips and tricks. Cam, what's your mm. first tip for the listeners out there who already know <clears throat> this? Yes. So this will be one that everyone has heard for heard on the pod before. And I you know, I don't think I've ever talked about it before, but everyone else in the pod certainly has. Um, and it's to avoid the salary cap hype, or at least be conscious of the fact that there is a salary cap hype. One of the hardest things to do in preseason, especially with the amount of content that's available at the moment, with all, you know, there's so many different and really great creators out there coming at things from different perspectives, um, is to look at the articles of draftees or people returning from significant injury that weren't ever relevant before from a fantasy perspective. And these articles are hyping the shit out of them, and that's because salary cap is the biggest game in the country. There, there is no. It's a wide gap between salary cap and second place as far as relevance goes, um, from a format perspective. And so, because of that, these guys are going to start to come out as if and looking as if they're diamonds in the rough. But you need to look deeper and you just challenge yourself that you know is this being said because of a salary cap issue uh, or a salary cap concept? Are they a first year player? Have first year players ever really been relevant in draft? Not really. Um, the challenge is when you get a first-year player that's dual position that maybe has some opportunity and you start to think, oh, maybe this guy will be relevant. Jason Horn francis could be that guy. Like, he's probably going to come in as a mid-forward. He's probably going to get opportunity from week one, but he's still not going to be fantasy relevant for the first two years. Um, so from a draft perspective, he's a, he's a no-go. And then you, you look at guys who are coming off long-season or long-term injuries like um, Mabby Chol this year, Toby McLean, and you kind of think, oh, maybe there's something in that. Remember that time that Toby McLean played midfield? You know, it could be all right, but it's just salary cap hype this year. Like, these guys are going to be priced unders 
in the salary cap format and you'll see news about them. Jared Witt's fallen into that because he's going to be dirt cheap, man. Because his year before was pus. But I'm down on him, Cam. I'm yeah, down. I'm, I'm down on him as well, but he's still probably going to be one of those guys that gets ranked broadly in the community in the top six rucks. And I, I think that's a big mistake. Because they're weak as piss. Weak as piss, Steve. Yeah, no, look, it's a good point, and, and the salary cap is a very different game. And yeah. they have different um, different needs and wants, like women and men, to be honest, really. Yeah. Oh, everyone. Strange areas. Strange yeah, areas. I don't know where this is going. <laughs> what happened there? I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, are you wearing a Are you wearing a, a sleeveless jacket? Yeah. So, fucking I, um, It's it's warm, but it's not that warm. Such a Victorian. What? It's my thing. work vest. It's my work vest. I wear it at work. I'm not on board with the sleeveless vest. Ah, fuck you. Or the sleeveless jacket. It's not a jacket. It's a vest. It's but it's a zip up. You're a fucking idiot, Cam. All right, my first tip: don't do a podcast with this dumb. <laughs> don't draft players who will miss games at the start of the year, or at least limit your exposure. How often is it? Last year, you saw Lockie Whitfield dropping down. You're like, holy shit, give me some of that. Oh, what great value! And before you know it, your bench has got three guys who can't play for the first three weeks on uh, on your bench. But we all know at the start of the year, that's when the waiver wires at its ripest. Role changes come out of nowhere that coaches have hit up their sleeve. Uh, someone gets injured. Invariably, knee injuries tend to happen at the start of the year or in preseason uh, camp. Yeah. So we, we always look for that. But you just um you just got to balance that risk. I don't mind if you take one. Um, like Toby Green will be missing a few games at the start of the year and he's not going to be injured. So that's a little bit different. But you just got to be carrying that player uh, on the bench and they can't score you anything. You won't want to drop them because you drafted them. But someone will pop. It could be Toby McLean. You just spoke about, you know, he might have a lush role at the Dogs or looks like, He's in good form. I don't know. It's unlikely, but someone will fill that role or Paddy Ryder's knee falls off and, and Rowan Marshall's back in the um, number one ruck or some, some sort of situation like that can happen. Mm. Um, and, and players can pop and you, you just don't want to be hamstrung with these guys on your bench that you can't drop to, to pick up the goodness. And no one no one buys them. Like if, you, if you're thinking that, you know, worst case scenario, I can trade them, people are going to offer you dirt. Like, you, you will only get dirt for these players. So, last year, I was a terrible example of this, and I ended up drafting Lockie Whitfield and Taylor Adams. And that, I think I got Taylor Adams pick two, Lockie Whitfield pick three, which I, I felt was a bargain. But the combination, and, and to your point, Steve, the exposure is what matters. So, you've, I've heightened my exposure there um, by taking two in the top three that were injured. <laughs> Not a great start. Unfortunately, Lockie Whitfield's injury extended to week eight. Tay-Tay was you know, in and out for the entire year. It basically meant that two people that you want to be locking at tons or at least a key position differential, I had nothing to show for it. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, there are other players. Matt Crouch. Yeah, well, was for next year as well, right? Was easy to do last year. Yeah. At the, oh, man. At the start. So, but, I mean... That's where you just got to... I feel like at the start of the draft, especially the first six rounds, you just got to square away guys who are reliable. Yeah. Take, think, roll roll yeah. the dice later on. Yeah, I think it's a good 
Good point. So the 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 longer the later in your draft that you take the risky pick, the less uh, draft equity you've put into that player. The easier they are to cut. Yeah, that's a, a, a second tip for you there, isn't it, Steve? Very cheeky. No bonus tip. Yeah, no, bonus tip. No... Surely bonus tip. I got bonus tips. We'll get to them. Cam, what's your second tip? Um, <clears throat> removing bias from your decisions. Uh, and I, I think I've reflected on this a little bit more and we sort of talk about it going into your actual draft where removing bias from your decisions and sort of picking the next best on your ranking sheet is generally a, a good move when you're focusing on different positions. But I actually think this is more important from a rankings perspective Um keeping bias out of your rankings is really, really hard. Um, and generally, it's because you've, you're really high on something. You've convinced yourself that there's a narrative there that a person is going to be fantastic next year. And, you know, maybe other people are going to see it and you're a little bit concerned and so you bump them up a little bit in your draft order. And it means that you probably end up reaching for someone that actually maybe you're the only person who's seen that narrative. Maybe you're the only person who's thought that, and actually everyone else is thinking of a, a floor rather than a ceiling. I think, importantly, when you're doing your rankings, you need to make sure that you're looking at both scenarios. So, yes, you can see that you know someone's going to have a brilliant year, but consider the downside. And, and I guess, Steve, your your whole thing on um, range of outcomes is what what you you need to be investing in determining both. Uh, and it's not that you can't commit to the top end. You, you can commit to the top end and you can draft from there, but you need to at least acknowledge the fact that there is a downside or a, a bottom end. A really good example of this is last year with Connor Rosie, in my opinion, Oof. where, yeah, yeah, where everyone thought he had so much upside and he was a lock for more midfield time. He was going to do awesome things. And then actually, People maybe glossed over the fact that he had a pretty serious ongoing foot injury and it severely limited his role and output throughout the year. You know, that was known in preseason and yet Connor Rosie's ADP was like top 80. You know, he he was drafted pretty high because he was mid-forward at the time, right? But, you know, I just, yeah, challenge yourself to see the downside of people, I think. Yeah, it's interesting. It's... um. Since I'm such a hater, I always find it easy to come in and, and see that and I always look for reasons to to put someone up because I'm constantly pushing everyone down. Uh, I I don't know. Mm. It's an interesting one. I see team bias more than um more than what you're talking about with mm. the, the young hype. Like I probably don't have it myself, but it, you know, say you're a Hawthorne fan, you might um be a massive fan of fuck, I don't know, who who the hell does Hawthorne have these days? Sam Mitchell. Denver. Denver. Jeez. Denver Granger. Yeah. DGB. Yeah. yeah Teddy G. Teddy DGB. Teddy. Teddy Tobias. Um, yeah. You know, I see that happening. And, and you know, oh, it's, or if you're a Richmond fan, oh, you know, Shea Bolton's the fucking greatest player of all time. And, you know, he's really yeah. good, but he might not have a fantasy output or something like that. It's been me for the last two years with Brandon Parfitt. Yeah, like it's just locking him in, being like, "Oh, but it's this year because I'll move on the old guys," and then they just don't because you know, fucking. If you're forty, you're still in the zone. 
<laughs> you know, you know where you see this the most. The AFL draft is coming up, and it's like as soon as these guys are drafted, they're fucking can't miss superstars. Exactly. And then five years later, they're Jimmy Tumpus. <laughs> the Tump. Oh my goodness! Did he want to go there. for? Oh Did wow! Did he really That's it. There? Look, it's, it's a bit unfair on Tumpus. He's more. You're more of a Darcy, mate. That's. Oh, you hate to see it. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, my next tip is tiers. Obviously, we talk about tiers every year. Uh, it's the best way to get value out of your uh, draft day experience, in my opinion. What we talk like to, to me? Do. Tell tell me what is a tier? A tier. So we're um we often get asked to to have every player in a list. Uh, I don't approach my draft day with that. I have everyone separated by position, and then I am breaking that down, bracketing off certain levels within that position where I think this group of particular players, maybe I've got a top five and then a top six, are just better than the next guys. Like I feel they're safer, uh, their risk profile, whatever, uh, their floor is high, the ceiling's high. And then as I move down through the list, the, the tiers generally get wider, um, generally. And you know, you'll know you'll lump in guys who are safe but maybe don't carry the upside of someone else. Uh, maybe they've got a bit of a checkered injury history like a Taylor Adams. We know he's got a great s- scoring history, but he also tends to miss a hell of a lot of games. So he might not be a, a top, top-tier top player like a Tom Mitchell or a Jack Steele or mm. um, there's just a bit of downside there. Someone like a Jack McRae, very safe generally. Um, maybe you see there's a little bit of a f- floor lowered this year. I don't know. And then when you approach your draft, you're trying to um, just get as many players from the the higher end tiers as you possibly can. So um, let's say you're pick seven in the draft, uh, the the first few picks, or pick eight, and the first five picks are, first seven picks are five mids, one ruck, one drop, one defender. You might have no tier one mids left. Uh, you might have no tier one defenders left. So you've got a tier one forward and a tier one ruck where you pick one of them and then sort of see what comes back. Maybe you get another tier one player, but uh, you're generally picking the highest ranked, shallowest tier that you have left um, to try extract as much value as you possibly can. Um, Imagine it's it's like a game of golf. You're trying to end up with the lowest score possible from your your draft, if that makes sense. Um, Yeah. uh, And and it really helps balance out those risky players with the upside players. So you can sort of look at how you... You're building your team through the draft, and, and as the tiers get bigger, as you move further in the draft, you can go, well, I need a safe pick here, or I want some upside pick here. If you maybe picked a couple of injury-prone guys early. You want a couple of safer picks through the middle of your draft. But I also think, Cam, and maybe to your point about um, homerism, like everyone wants the hot young player, right? And we all go into our draft, maybe there's one or two players you really might, maybe this year, man, I really want Caleb Sarong. I think he's going to absolutely fucking kick it in the dick, going to break out. Everyone wants him, but they want him at the best value. My tip is when you're doing tiers, you can put a player like Caleb Sarong with, in a tier where there's, say, if someone else goes really early on him, someone you, you're left with is someone you're happy to miss miss Sarong and get instead maybe I, I can't tell you who, who it would be maybe it's Brad Crouch for example yeah. you go oh well Sarong went but I've got this player who I really like instead as a as a secondary thing and, and maybe someone went so early they get poor value yeah okay yep so cool. I think uh, t- 
tiers certainly help there, and we've had a lot of feedback over the years uh, about how tiering has helped people have their best drafts ever, Cam. I'm really curious to hear, because I, like, I've been doing tiers for maybe the last two years, and I wasn't really a believer beforehand. I was sort of a... But, uh, and, you know, to be honest, I've had my worst two years uh, doing tiers, but I think it's because I get to maybe round 10, I'm probably six beers deep at that point. And then I'm like, oh, f- fuck, I'll just, I don't need this tier bullshit. I'll just do something else. Do you, as gospel, you know, stick to the tiers and that method, or do you fluctuate as the draft gets later? So one thing that's probably, it's probably easier in AFL Fantasy, I'd say, than Supercoach. In Supercoach, you don't have the midfield depth you have in AFL Fantasy. So I will tend to give midfielders a little bit of a bump through the middle rounds, because I generally want to leave my draft with nine to fill seven. Yep. Okay, so um, I might, if, if there's no, like, I, I get that I'm going away from script here, but if the, if there's, say, some mids, I, I really want to start balancing out my team overall. The, you know, I don't want to end up with five forwards and five defenders and only three midfielders. You, you yeah. know, that's where it can sort of get into trouble. So I always want to have an extra mid or two uh, before the, the positions, if that makes sense. Yeah, that that would be the only thing. I I think what um and just something to that we should maybe consider going into next year is doing um almost like a waiting for positions. So rather than doing a you know, you've got your tiers, you've got 10 tiers of mids, you've got 7 tiers of forwards, you've got 7 tiers of defenders for example, you know, applying a um modifier to them so that you know, there's an importance factor around them. So if if mids are, for for example, next year super important and forwards are less important, that it maybe adjusts, you know, a, t- a forward tier six may be equal to a defender tier five or something similar. Yeah, so what we did with that, so we do something similar with the, um, the mock simulator, which will be mm. open again uh, in the year. So we um, will have the positions lined up in the order we think they're most important. So we'll generally draft... Historically, we've actually drafted defenders before forwards, but we've actually switched that in the last uh, couple of years where forwards go before defenders. Yeah. Uh, d- depending... Like last Pro- year, I think Jake Lloyd was probably a standout heading into the draft, so he might have been on an island on his own. But yeah. then I'm pretty sure it was uh, forwards before yeah. the main defenders, yeah. Yeah, okay. Cool. And and depending on how deep your list is, uh, like I'll talk about. Sorry, I'll talk about league settings and understanding that it does play into that as well. Steve, do you want to talk about league settings now? Anyway, because my next point, I I, I know you were going to talk about league settings, and I've got something on league settings that will be a little bit different to yours. But um, I just want to double check that it is. So maybe you should go first. Yeah. So to tie into what I was just talking about with here, so we we generally talk we talk very general. Um, in, in terms of pickups and rankings and all that. So we would generally talk about everything as though we're talking about a five seven one five four bench league. So that's five defenders on field, seven midfielders on field, one ruck, five forwards, and then you have four bench, and generally in a 10 or 12 team structure. So we're talking 50 defenders deep, 70 mids, 10 rucks, and 50 uh, forwards on field 
that, that's going to be quite varied and, you, and the way you approach a draft is going to be quite different. Say, uh, I think Warney, his Bacon Cup thing, that's like 14 or 16 teams, right? I think it's 16. Mm. I can't yeah, remember. it's, it's pretty big. Yeah, he'll hit us up in the mentions later and tell us we're idiots or something. Um, so so it's, like, I think it's a 16-team league, but it's a 3-4-1-3. So the, their team will have 48 defenders, 64 mids, 48 forwards. It, 48 forwards. But they'll have 16 rucks across the league yeah. on field. So obviously the rucks, you don't want to be stuck with the 16th ruck. Yeah. So their start, their league is going to be quite different the way they approach their draft. Like they're starting less forwards, defenders, uh, and midfielders than than the five seven one five, uh, ten or twelve team league. So you really want to hit those rucks early and hard. Probably not. You know, I, I just don't think there's anything any two ways about it. Like we used to play a two ruck league, and all you did was just draft two rucks early and bang, you're home. Like you, yeah. You're in. So yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Sort of crazy like that. But you got to understand, like, is it captains on or off? Is it, does position scarcity matter more, um, or do you need the midfield scores to to really help you get over the line? How big's your bench? The shallower the bench, the less injuries and suspended players and and um, lottery picks you can carry. How does your waiver wire system work, Cam? Always important. Um, is it last getting first pick? Is it just rolling order? What date is it clear? Is it just open all the time? You, you really got to understand those little settings to to pick up every edge because it's you, you got to get the the position change or an injury happens. Who's going to step up? That player is now valuable. Those sort of things really um, make all the difference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like those settings as well can really determine how. You know, if you're a player who likes trades, for example, those settings could determine whether or not your league is going to be a really good trading league or not. Yeah, we get a lot of questions about trading. It's like it's always how do we get more trades? Yeah, and the the I actually think it's it's funny because we always say to have you know good banter in your league and all that sort of stuff. And I think when you when someone loses a trade and there's shit put on them. It really hurts trading going forward. Oh, 100%. Like, at the time, if you're on the winning side of the trade, you feel good. Literally, every other person in the league clenches for the rest of the season. They don't yeah. want to be on the losing side of the trade because the other person got roasted, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, trading's hard. Oh, I like... That's where keeper leagues are great because there's more trading and there's, it makes it easier. Redrafts, it's tough. Yeah. Redrafts, really tough, yeah. Um... So, Steve, like on your point there on league setup, you mentioned something that I, I was pretty keen to talk about for my final tip, which is around uh, bench size. Um, just given the global situation at the minute, um, we kind of thought that we'd be through the period of uncertainty um, and that realistically all the flexibility that we'd need in AFL Fantasy would have probably happened through 2020-2021. But... I'd actually suggest we haven't really seen a bumpy patch yet, like especially from a draft perspective. In classic, yeah, there were a couple of things where you know Supercoach did one thing based on you know a COVID buy, and AFL Fantasy did a, a different thing for a COVID buy, um, and coaches had to be pretty agile in that format. But from a draft perspective, we've kind of had it pretty easy from a COVID perspective. Um, going into next year. I, I feel like it's going to be actually harder than it has been in the last two years. 
um, players are going to be fully vaxxed, which is great, but it obviously doesn't mean that you can't get COVID. And you look at guys like Noah Bolter and Dion Prestia, who have both returned positive tests this week. Um, it's a problem because the league is adamant that it's a case of play on in that instance. Like they're not going to stop the league for COVID positive results. They're not going to rearrange fixtures. It's just play on field your best possible team. And I, I think that from a fantasy perspective has a pretty big impact. Um, and I, I know the probably purists are, are going to say, no, you know, it's don't extend your bench because everyone's facing the same problem. If it's everyone's problem, everyone has the same likelihood to to cop a you know COVID injury layoff for a couple of weeks. But I I kind of see it the other way. Like Steve, you were saying that from a engagement perspective. Like for me, there's a couple of things that make fo- fantasy footy fun, and, and one is the footy itself, and the second is league engagement, and that's probably um, the two, the top two. And the longer that people are competitive. And the less reason, or like the less barriers they have to fight, the more they're likely to be engaged throughout the season. And so if you're adding stuff like, oh shit, my best player's out for the next two weeks because of COVID, like that kind of, that sucks. Like that's, uh, and I get that it can happen to anyone, but yeah, I just maybe consider going into next year. If you were a 57154, maybe consider a 57156 or an 8 to you know make sure that you know it flip it the other way instead of it it could happen to anyone maybe flip it to everyone could be prepared not a fan the the listeners can't hear my shaking my head you you're not I, a fan i um my main complaint with my home league is that i think we play over the buys and i love it because i think it forces people to be aggressive and I think it forces people to chase wins. And my problem with, I think, a lot of my home... Well, maybe not a lot, but certainly people in my home league, they don't play to win. They play not to lose, which means they don't win. Um, they're not prepared to sacrifice a, a really run-of-the-mill player. Like, say, Jimmy Webb. They won't drop Jimmy Webster or something like that to, to get a win. And it's just... To me, it's just insane... I love the chaos. I think the chaos is good. Uh, and I think it should be embraced personally. Like, what, well, what the hell is the difference between testing positive for COVID and having an ankle knock? Yeah, no, no, I, I totally get it, right? It's just that one, going into next year, I, I'd be more concerned about one happening than the other. What's like, the difference? You, you're What's the difference another... between ga- gastro? So it rips through a whole team. You, yeah. You know, it just, it happens. Yeah. I, I, I think... There's a lot of unknown, is it, at the moment. So, like, it, you can compare it to gastro or an ankle knock or, you know, anything, but we actually probably don't know how rampant it's going to be. And so, for me, it's like, yeah, add an extra two bench spots and maybe, you know, have a season where there's a little bit less urgency if it doesn't come to fruition, right? But just be prepared. Like, imagine, you know, going into one week and you're down six players. Right, that's the the worst possible outcome, and maybe it's on the buys, and you're just completely cooked. Like that, no one. How who finds yeah, that I, fun? 
I hear what you're yeah. saying. I hear what you're saying. And look, it, it mate, you don't know. That's right. That's that's the yeah, unknown. Um, exactly. And, and probably one thing that's overlooked in in things we talk about is run good. Um, I think there's there's a hell of a lot of run good in in involved in winning a fantasy league. Um, just hitting, you know, and and some teams run bad. Yeah, and someone's going to run bad and have those COVID players. I look, I, I see your point. You it might rip through a whole team and you'll be fucked. Yeah, um, so that's where it hurts. And and that for me, like if it's but, the... if, but if it rips through a whole team, then we, you know, it's, everyone's going to be affected. It's yeah. All I'd suggest is like if you if you keen to keep chaos and you you want everyone to be able to adapt and all of that sort of stuff adding two extra bench bench spots to your five seven one five four i don't think will be the end of the world for one year but it flips your draft it then you can take those injury guys and i think that's fine like (sighs) but but i also probably wouldn't i I think the same uh, draft strat would be fine you're a communist cam a communist Communist. How did we reach like one of these? How did we reach GP? Everyone gets a trophy. <laughs> what? It's no. Kill or be killed, Cam. It's kill or be killed. <laughs> Massive pussy. I I actually think it um benefits people who do more research having a deeper bench, but that's fine. Let's all have. Let's all sing Kumbaya around oh my the fire, God. Cam, and. How come Toast every fucking pod, every pod goes to Jonestown Massacre? Like, the, the path that you're on at the moment goes fucking <laughs> Sing by the Fire, Kumbaya, Jonestown Massacre. <laughs> every time. Hasn't been enough Jonestown talk on here for a while, to be honest. <laughs> um, and last but not least, you don't win your league at the draft. you got to adapt through the season, Cam. COVID adapt. or not. Adapt. Overcome. Improvise. That's right. Yep. All right, the Twitter questions. Stephen asks, hopefully no one from my league will read this. Well, no one listens to this show, Stephen, so you're in luck on that end. Which player should I talk up like crazy so someone will reach, also like crazy, to get, but will be a spud in the end? I don't want to say this, but Harry Schoenberg. Bruno thinks it's whoever Doss sings about. Well, that's accurate. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Proven year in, year out. Yeah. I feel like I feel like I want to say Tom Green. He has a path to very goodness, but he could also be very unrosterable. Yeah. And he's I, easy to sell. Not yeah, not for me. And mm. and so yeah, good one to to hype up. Warney says, leak the positions already. Do you have them? No. You I don't sure? think so. I haven't checked my email, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Coxie, put off and distract your league. Oh, this must be in response to something. Put, put off and distract your league mates with the most inappropriate team name possible. Use words like moist. People love that one. Not sure why. Mm, so that's just his... How, that's, how his to... that's his tip. That's his swimming in tips. So, yeah. Miller time with the follow-up to that. Call everyone cunts and leave the group chat. We just... We don't even leave. No, you we stay just, and you look. Just stay. That's <laughs> the just... name of the group chat. 
The real Oogie Boogie Bush asks, discussion on roll-on effects from Greenwood's move to north for both the Suns and Roos. That move plus Connor's relapse, fingers crossed, uh, could have pretty far-reaching fantasy consequences. Cam, we haven't really talked about the fantasy implications of Benedict Greenwood's uh, about-face. Yeah, look, I, I think there were a few people, and we were certainly pretty high on Noah Anderson at the Gold Coast Suns next year. Woo. And it certainly... It certainly doesn't put a dampener on that. Um, there's definitely contested ball there, and you know you could actually look at you know Braden Fiorini could be actually good. You, you shake your head, but like he started to see well, game no, time. Uh, not because of not because of hatred, yeah. but I mean we got to sell those t-shirts at some point. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, it really, it really makes things easier on the um, the Gold Coast side. 100%. You got to love it if you're invested in Gold Coast players, and um, you know maybe took easier path to repeat. He, he loves yeah. the tackles, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for oh, Took, geez. very good for Took. And um, on the North Melbourne side, man, you know Simkin was putting together a hell of a season last year. So, but I don't think it affects him. He's going to be in there regardless. But you got to fear for Jed and and uh, LDU. I would have thought. Uh, there's a mm. mishmash of too muchery there. Yeah, and uh, I'd say Jed more than anyone else. Um, LDU, they're going to invest in heaps. And geez, he was so good last year. Uh, but he's, yeah. So but, good? He was fine. Ah, oh, fine from a fantasy perspective. Excellent from a football perspective. <clears throat> Not super good. Who wants if you to watch him, that? Yeah. Surly asks, can you claim to have won the draft if you don't include at least one meme player in your team? Godison, Mummy, Godorini, McCluggart. No. Follow, no. Yeah. And follow up, this begs the question, could you build a goat farm team? In a three, <laughs> three for one, three. Now we got Godison, Godorini, Josh Goder in the midfield. Who's <laughs> our rock forward and back goats? Oh, wow. Um, Brody Goatby? No, that's uh, too close to, to Goatsy. And we don't want to... <laughs> <laughs> Goodness gracious me. Wow. Sam Drapegoat. Yeah. Get around it. Steve asks, more a comment than a question. Don't have Fettuccine Alfredo before the draft. And that's fucking wrong. Just FYI. Have always have Fettuccine Alfredo before the draft. Continental family pack. Load up. So you're a big uh, creamy pasta fan, Cam. Well, I used to be, and that's maybe why I'm lactose intolerant these days, but yeah. I think it's a great point from Steve. Ooh. Surly asks, what are the best snacks to bring to win my draft? Not the best snacks to bring to the draft, best to win the draft. Uh, hash brownies. And just don't tell anyone. <laughs> you Infinite win, surely. So mm. maybe we shouldn't drug our, our friends though, but yes. Cigarettes. Our good friends at Marlboro Red. Oh wait, yeah, it's the smoothest way to. Um, <laughs> I'd say fun size uh, chocolates, fun size chocolates. Anything that doesn't require you to lose focus, right? All you have to do with them is just peel them, eat them. Good, like mm. chips. You're always wiping that shit all over yourself or dunking them in dip, and you know other. You, you don't want to have to do too many, too much shit. And I think if you're eating chocolate, it limits how much um, beer you're putting away because you, it, it's. It's not a great combo. Mm. 
can't disagree. I've got, I've got no other snack because we, no, we normally just uh, power through and then we get some uh, Uber Eats afterwards. So, yeah. I love chips, but... Yeah. Stephen also asked, also, would you rather have a row of penises down your back like a stegosaurus or a vagina on your forehead? Wow. We finally got there. This is this is where feel, we wanted to this is where we wanted questions to go. I feel like we've found Rust 2.0. Like this is a very Rust type question and I'd suggest penises down the back. Really? Yeah, steg stega penis. Stega penis. Would you go vagina on your forehead? You well, kind of got it already because you frowned so much. That's a good point. It seems the natural progression. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Which way is the vagina facing? Like, is it horizontal or is it vertical? You can pick. You can. I feel both. like if I feel like if it was horizontal, I'd be more okay with it than it was vertical, because then it'd kind of blend into like my <laughs> eyebrow and it'd have some weird pubic repercussions. The worst thing would be that I could somersault at you. And fuck you like 10 times in the head. I don't think you could somersault. There's no way. Not yeah, with your back. It's, yes. Not with penis back. <laughs> <laughs> throws, off, throws off the center of gravity. <laughs> oh, God. So that's oh. where we are, huh? <laughs> That's the last one. That's, that's, that's what we it. got. You know, we used to play this game when I was working. There was one golf course I worked at and it was um, a bunch of guys. Were pretty, it was pretty good fun. And we'd play um, How Much. So you'd you'd each try to gross each other out by thinking up more and more disgusting shit, and how much would it you would actually accept to perform uh, said task? And there were some surprising surprising responses. Cam, it was a good game. Give me give me an example. I can't do it. Can't. That's for the um, Patreon. <laughs> oh, the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's never happening. All right, uh, we didn't get much tight. response. We didn't get. Yeah, it was tight. Um, there wasn't much response to the listener league shit. A bunch of people seem to think Simpson gifts are dioramas. Uh, they're not. They're not. Mm, a Wookie thing, though. However, count it. <laughs> it really, yeah, the six people who listened didn't get on board. Hard to believe. It's like when <laughs> like people film shit and throw it out. Oh, how many likes to get? And, and it just goes to dust. And you get like four likes. Yeah. It's like, oh, I didn't reach the 10,000 to get a, you know. We're going to have to... Noah Bolter sign top or some shit. We're going to have to ask the same question in January. I feel like, listener league, people are still... People are relaxing. Like they're, people they're are bored. A... People are bored shitless. They're watching cricket. They're talking. People were talking about cricket unironically on the Twitters the other day. Yeah, but that's because Tim Payne flashed his dick. Oh, you know what was funny about that is well, not funny. It's bad. But um, the same day that happened, right? Tim Payne, the Tim Payne thing came out. An NFL guy. There's video footage of him just abs- an ex NFL guy, just absolutely beating the living fuck out of his missus in front of their baby. And I was like, man, the NFL wishes they had like dick pics, text messages to deal with. That that they'd love that. Wow. They'd be, can we swap that? Can we swap for that? Jeez, that's uh brutal. It was. Yeah, absolutely fucking whew. He's in jail now, thankfully, Cam. Yeah, good. 
Well, that's a good note to end the show on. Yeah. <laughs> Positives. Positive vibes. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next week, listeners. We're gonna we're moving into the fun portion of the show. We're moving into uh, burn men and sleepers. I think oh, over the wow. next fortnight. So yeah, hitting real content. Woo! That's right. All right. We'll see you then. <laughs>